0: Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. Yo, Wealth Building Wednesday. We're right here. We got. All kinds of updates, news from around the world. What's going on with Ukraine and
1: Russia? I was going to say, pretty much a specific region of the world. The markets is
0: closed today. The uh, Fed making uh, a new policy for employees around trading. We'll be touching base on that. What's going on in the market? What some undervalued stocks may be and how you can benefit from those in the long run? Bitcoin dropping below a critical threshold we've seen some market cap wiped out out of the bitcoin sphere ethereum kathy wood making a pretty large prediction Mm. we'll talk about that real estate mr breedwell how we doing brother i'm doing wonderful good morning you know is you're like on your what eighth week in napa valley as uh, are you a local yet like do they give you yeah. do they give you a key to the city
1: yeah i meet with the mayor next week no i uh just was up there this is probably my last uh venture for quite some time i just had a uh, planned a bunch of it the end of last year kind of good time to go up weather was great 72 and blue skies um
0: Always fun to be out. California weather right now is—I mean, it's it's beautiful, and I'm loving it. I need it to point. hold up for a little bit longer so my pool can get finished. I need uh, I need some rain and some snow up in Tahoe. We've been getting a lot of cancellations due to—I mean, since the Snowmageddon storm, we just haven't had a uh, really any rain or water or snow up here in California, and the Sierras. Yeah, it's pretty dry. I think it's storming
1: up there right now, isn't it? It is. Today. Yeah, I was when I was leaving my house, I can see all the way up there, and it was like this wall of gray. Yeah. So.
0: But we got some. Um, uh, you, you and I were talking about this, and I, I think this w- would be a fun um, documentary for a lot of people to watch over the weekend. I watched The Restless Billionaire. Uh, it's a documentary about famous uh, investor Carl Icahn. Curious well what are like what is his I guess reputation, or how do people he, look at him? He's that? a little bit before my time.
1: I've been in the you know the industry for about eight years, going on my seventh year, excuse me now. um he has a name of somebody that's kind of like the old guard, like Warren Buffett, um just a track record of more Winning. wins than losses, yeah, yep, um losses that were taken were calculated. He doesn't ever gawk at his losses. It's just it is what it is. Um, just an old school style investor, and kind of the one of the people, like when I say like the what Wall Street is doing and stuff, that he would fall into the basket of people that they would be referring
0: to in that space of people.
1: yeah, um, he's just,
0: well. His
1: opinion may not be 100% correct, but it's well-respected and people listen when he speaks.
0: Yeah, well, it was really interesting. So uh, Bill Ackman of what? Pershing, Pershing Square? Square Capital, yeah. Um, which is a hedge fund. And, he, and he's a, you know, you've heard us talk about him a few times on the show and him being a pretty, I would say influential larger he's an activist investor yeah and i'm not like a huge
1: fan of like talk that about style. it
0: what is activist investing it's a <laughs> is it really activist yeah activism? yeah
1: it's a it's a shined up way to say that we go in we normally will short a company that we don't like and then we'll cause a lot of corrupt not corruption uh chaos and commotion commotion and try to switch board members up try to get them to do things that we want them to do. And then all the while, those companies normally profit off of the volatility because they've taken a short position in that company. Um, That, to me, is lame. I think that if you have an issue with the company, you just go and be a
0: part of the company and then change it. You don't go in and be, you know, take then start shouting. Yeah. Which is essentially what he did, right? It was like seeing how this all, because he was a part of this, Documentary from the perspective of him and Icon like locked horns over um, Herbalife. Herbalife back like in 2000, I think in 15 or 16. Some, yeah, it was like remember. yeah, it was 15 yeah. or 16. And Ackman came out and basically said, I think this company's a pyramid scheme. It's a fraud, which I still think they are, and I do believe they are, and they they're super he, like he a- sold the narrative where he went in, did a billion dollar short. And then I feel like for some
1: reason I I almost want to say it was like a three billion dollar short, or
0: maybe it was a three billion dollar short, and they lost a billion. Yeah, uh, it was one or the other. He had to close the position out because it was just bleeding. Okay, but either way, he lost a stupid amount of money. But he he went in first, right? Staked his claim, and then all of a sudden started going everywhere and anywhere that would listen to him talking about it being a pyramid scheme and and like what you said, right? Like if you're a real true activist investor you don't need to take a stake yes. on the downfall yes. and then go you know pretend like you're the knight in shining armor that's going to save everyone from a bad investment and sell off and make sure you don't get hurt in this right just don't it, have that stake and go do that exact same thing and go yeah. help people yep. if you really believe that right if you're an activist correct active like
1: when i think of the word activist i think of like somebody that's you know protecting the environment probably not doing it for profit right Um, most of the time that's, that's the implication that most people would have with an activist is an implication of doing something out of the good or the moral goodness of it, not, uh, the monetary goodness of it. And anytime there's a short firm, they always are there to make money. They are in business to make money. Um, it just gets, it gets gets sugarcoated. He
0: didn't like that short. No. And so he came out, he just kept buying it. Yeah, he came out basically and took bigger and bigger positions in it. And what was interesting is it just shows kind of the weight he holds on Wall Street. Because when he came out and took a complete opposite position than Ackman, all of a sudden more people started taking stronger positions and stronger positions, and all of a sudden herb life, you know, skyrocketed. Right, and and the Ackman stuff ended he, up the stuff that losing oh, his shirt. What Ackman did do though. Is
1: he did, you know, expose some things that were true about Herbalife, as far as they have a really terrible reputation on taking advantage of immigrants, um, the fact that they overhype their process and how profitable you can be, and then you know don't really tell you that less than half of one percent of people who do that actually even make any money, and the amount of money is like a thousand dollars. So it's just like it's it is. It is a pyramid scheme and it is an MLM. Anytime you have, I like will not let my wife buy things from MLMs just because they're so destructive yeah. to people at the bottom. And I say, we just don't support those businesses. I don't care if it's your best friend, you tell her, hey, or him. We just don't buy that stuff from those companies. They're not quality. They, they're they they're a quantity, they're a r- turn and burn type Um business model and they're, and they're not,
0: it's always the early in who get the reap the rewards and majority of the benefits. And it's, you know, it doesn't mean you're going short the
1: stock though, because that's that all of that stuff is and was true and none of it panned out into reality onto paper. And that's sometimes something that's a little bit of a head scratcher to people. Just like on the flip side, there's a ton of stocks right now that keep going down just because everything is going down. But they keep reporting positive numbers and positive revenue growth. That's the type of stuff that you go in when you're in a market situation like we're in. That's what you're buying because it's like, okay, is this, does this line up on paper? Like, why is this? They just, this company just reported 60% year over year revenue growth and beat their earnings per share by
0: five to six cents per. So this may be a good undervalued buy. Correct. Right out long term. Correct. We'll talk about a couple of those here. Later in the show, but after watching this the restless billionaire guys, I think it's worth a watch and and the reason being one, like I'm just always very interested in iconic people that come from nothing and over the course of their journey, just do epic shit and he did some pretty epic shit, especially in a still very, doing it, and he's still doing it right in a very challenging landscape and I think for me, I love to well one of the things that it and i was telling you earlier before the show that it reminded me is like you know i i feel like i know a good amount but like these guys and and when you think of we'll just say when i say these guys right it's the carl icons and the warren buffets and the blackstones mm-hmm. you know the big big players of the world they're they're playing such a high stakes game that is so like convoluted and so like challenging that it makes me realize how important if you're going to try and play the games that the big boys and the big girls play, if you want to be in that arena, you need to have the right team and the right counsel around you. And so that's why, like, one of the things that I know so many people about the show love, the free financial x-ray that you and your team provide. And I just look at you and, you know, helping me navigate the financial markets being that, you know, I core focus on real estate and development and, you know, holding commercial assets, but like how important it is to have somebody on your team that really like you're playing the game every single day. Those guys are playing the game every single day. And if you're not playing the game every single day and obsessed over it and eat, sleep and breathe it like the sharks do, you're, you're going to get eaten.
1: You will No, you will. It's, it's, it's a, The big, the, the what am I trying to say? The food chain kind of works that way. And you said it right earlier. It's a lot of, in all industries, it's it's dumb money moving to smart money. It
0: is. It's, it's the, it is the individuals that want to play the game. They want the result, but they're not willing to either one, put in the work and the time, or they have too much ego and think that they can do it themselves. And ultimately they end up, you know, becoming shark bait, right? Correct. And so that's where I think, if you're going to play, whether it's the real estate game, you're going to play the stock market game. You're going to play the business game. You there's have, always yeah. smart money mm-hmm. looking to suck up, you know, in the vortex, uh, of with my vacuum the financial right world, the dumb money. So- and it's happening, right? You're seeing poor transfer money to wealthy, whether it's you, they, really, I mean, you can look at any industry, any sector. Correct. And like it's, Everybody who
1: sold their house in 2008, 2009, that wasn't forced to sell it, but sold it because they thought the asset was going down. You are looking back, scratching your head like, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody who sold their equities and stuff in 2008, 2009 and didn't ride it out is looking back like, man, I'm an idiot. I would have made so much. My cumulative rate of return would have been over 100% more if I just would have left my money in the market. Yeah. It's just hard to do that. And people just are not fair to their money. I say it all the time. You got to be fair to your money. You will allow it to make you money for four, five, six, seven years on this last bull run, plus in a row. But the second you take any sort of losses, even if you touch principal. That ain't fair Now You jump out and Come you're like, now. you know what? I can't afford to do this. I'm going to put my money into cash. And it's funny because during market volatilities, you have probably some of the dumbest investors think they become the experts because they start regurgitating the stuff they hear on the news. Um, just not, it's a very simple way to do it. And the only thing that makes it complicated is emotions. And you've heard me beat this horse and ride it and kick it off and ride it again. You cannot be emotional with your money. It's one of the worst things you can ever do. Yep. It just doesn't care about you. It's a tool. Um, it's, a, it's a tool just like everything else in your house. The knife in my drawer that cuts my bread or my meat is the same thing as my money. They just do different things. Most, one of the most important tools we have is, um, is our money because it helps us do other things, leverage. The more money you have, you can do more things easier. The less money you have, it's harder to do some of those things. Mm-hmm. But that's the relationship with money to an individual. Um, right now with investing, something that I keep reminding people is if you bought 10 shares of a stock and it was at $100 and now it's down to $50, you still own all 10 shares. All of those 10 shares of that company are probably going to start paying you more dividend yield if they do, because they're going to encourage you to hold those stocks, which regardless, the yield on that is probably more than the yield on your entire principal in cash. And then when the money in the stock market recovers, you will make all of that money back because they will go back to that price as long as they're quality assets Again, focus on quality assets, Mm -hmm. not speculative assets. Yep and you'll have all that money and then some because then you reinvested those dividends into a stock price that was down. This is the idea of dollar cost averaging. This is the idea of compounding interest, and it just is not fun to go through the front end of it, which is this is when this is when the tree gets shaken, when the overripe nuts fall. <laughs> you have to figure out how to hold on through times of volatility in order to kick back during times of positive returns because it's just not hard to make money in the stock market it's not it's really hard not to lose money and when you're losing money stick with your game plan
0: yeah i think of me and my girls we love watching mandalorian mm-hmm. uh we just finished the book of boba fett and it just makes me think of you know the mandalorian saying right this is the way like if you if you that's the answer right like you cannot sell and ride the emotional roller coaster of you know the market volatility like that is the price you pay for playing that game and so you have to be willing to check your emotions and your ego at the door in the times that the emotions are the highest right like that's when when you look at i think of patrick mahomes when he he's he was wearing one of these uh these whoop bracelets that like tracks your everything, right? Your heart, your sleep, your heart rate variability, your pulse, your blood oxygen levels. And um it was that final play between in the in the playoffs between them and the Bengals coming down to the wire. It was like the last play of the game. And literally his heart rate was like it was less, it was like when you and I wake up in the morning, like his, like at the peak state of when the emotions are the highest, he's just going out there and he's executing at the level that you know you need to execute even when the stakes and or the emotions are the highest. And it's no different. You're a financial athlete, right? Like think of how you are going about every single day and just building the skills Going through the routines and the exercises and the habits that you know are necessary, that when the emotions and the stakes are the highest, you have done the work and you are going to follow the game plan. And that's when usually most people, right? Like if you think of peak performers in general, you know, most people, 99.9% of the world will never reach that level of peak performance. Correct. And, you know, those types of results because they can't follow the plan. They can't do the routines and the habits and have the consistency over an extended period of time to unlock those types of results for themselves. And so thinking about your financial portfolio or your future or your real estate investments or what you're doing in your business, like pain is going to be a part of the past. pain is ultimately in that process, at least in my opinion, what also unlocks the greatest breakthroughs for the individual to weaponize themselves even more if they keep going and moving forward and following and executing on their plan, right? Yep. So whether you're an athlete or you're a real estate investor, or you are, you know, whoever it may be in terms of building a business or whatever it may be, you got to follow and execute on your plan. And that's why Ryan and his amazing team, if you haven't reached out to them yet uh, to connect regarding your investment portfolio you know, text the word x-ray to eight four 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 What is one of the main things that you guys focus on when you're, you know, connecting? Because we've got, we've had a lot of people reach out over the course of this year. yeah, Many, right, who are like, oh, I'm making a lot of money last year. I don't need to worry about it. I don't need, you know, I am the, the most, expert. Now, all of a sudden, you know the it so has been turned upside down a little bit. He's like, hey, maybe I'll t- I will do want to talk to Ryan. Yeah, there have actually been a lot of people
1: do-it-yourselfers that have come out and said, hey, you know, I did the stock thing. And like, I thought it was good because I was buying stuff and I was making money. And now, like, there I see people, it's like, not only have I lost all of that money, I'm into my principal and I'm like, down 30, 40, 50 percent. Is there a better way to do this? And what we'll normally do is I'm not saying that some of the stuff that they've bought is bad or that I don't currently own, but maybe for the amount of risk they actually want to take and the amount of returns that they're willing to get, it's uh, we got to kind of back that down and maybe hey, we don't need a standard deviation of 37. Maybe we need to tighten your standard deviation up to around 15, and then we can get your average rate of return to somewhere around 17 or 18%. And when you have that, your your returns may be a little bit less year in and year out, but they'll be more consistent. And you want consistency when it comes to long-term financial planning. Because uh, that's how co- compound interest can't work if you're not moving forward, it has to continuously move forward. Um, other thing we we see a lot is like I was just doing a review for um, this guy didn't come off of the podcast, but another guy moved uh, from Nevada. Uh, He's over here in Colorado Hills, about $2.9 million. And he had no idea. I mean, $2.9 million, pretty sophisticated guy as far as from a bit working standpoint. That
0: ain't no, you know.
1: No idea. He's in loaded mutual funds. Loaded mutual funds are are, uh, a share mutual funds that charge you a front end commission to go into them. His was 3.6% to 5.75% on two million million. And loads come directly from your account value. So if you had 100 grand and you put it in there and there's a load of 5%, you're going to have $95,000 invested and $5,000 went to your broker. So those are some things that we, A, cannot do legally. It's against the law to charge somebody a, uh, a commission on a security as a fiduciary and an investment advisor only. And second, even the people who think they know consistently don't know. And really it's because it boils down to this. You're not taught about this stuff. You don't have a license in it. You don't do it day in and day out. So when I go to your portfolio, I'm like, yeah, you're paying a three and a half percent average front end load with a 2.1% fee and you have $2.7 million. Damn. That's bad. Yeah. That's really bad. Um, so the the point of that story is take a look at what you guys are doing and If there's something that I or my team can do to help you, we'll tell you that. And then you are in the position to say, yes, I would like to make that change or no, I'm comfortable being where I'm at. And I promise you, if you if you say no, I have sent them emails multiple times. I will tell you, you are crazy, but that's fine. And you should probably work on making data-driven decisions. I just talked to somebody off the x-ray last week and I verbatim told them that. You are literally looking at data saying that you can get ten times the rate of return, and you are denying it because it. You have to do stuff different than what you're currently doing. You don't have to take the decisions, but when you stand in front of yourself and you are you point blank with third party uh, verified data, you're an idiot. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's the. I mean, I think the whole saying "get out of your own way" is is a thing for a lot of stuff. People just get in their own way because they don't want to be wrong. And I'm not here to tell anybody you're wrong because you never were right. It's just let's be right with our money instead I, of being wrong. With I just our money.
0: tell people, like, you know, one of my mottos is I don't want to be right. I just want to win. And and there, there is a difference between being right and winning. And sometimes you got to check your ego at the door and go, okay, do, do I really, like, No, everything I think that I know is everything that I think that I know true. Because if I really want to win, then that stance comes with a level of open-mindedness when you pair it with your confidence and what you do believe you know, but also understand that you may not know at all and a willingness to take consistent daily action towards figuring out whatever it is that you need to do to win you're gonna unlock something along the way that's gonna produce either one some level of feedback that's gonna help you get better and make the next right decision, or you're gonna win. You're gonna yep. you're gonna have a stepping stone along the way that's gonna unlock something new for you, and that's where having counsel, like you and I, get into debates all the time, right? And oh yeah. I think if anything, that healthy, constructive conversation just brings out new thoughts, new patterns of conversation, and new really actions that unlock something new that serves us. Correct. But if you're just having the conversation in your own head by yourself, that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah, because you're the expert. That's that is like, a dangerous place yeah. to be. And that's why we always just say, hey, guys, if you want to have counsel, you know, and a third party conversation to poke some holes and maybe put some more data points up on the board that can help you connect some dots. Cool. Reach out to us. Text the word x-ray eight four 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 seven fifteen fifty five. If you want to get into more syndication opportunities and invest in passive income vehicles of real estate, like in my syndication deals, text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555. You can never have, in my opinion, enough data to make the next best decision Correct. that's aligned with your goals. Yep.
1: And, and, and also, you got to make sure that the people that are giving you the data this is another thing that people make a lot of issues on. I have so many people that have come to me saying, I thought that I was working with somebody who had my best interest in mind, but now I'm working with somebody who who is coaching me and they've never done anything. They are telling me how to do infinite banking, but they got their insurance license seven months ago. So I've never actually delivered a, a policy and never, never done a loan out of a policy. They're just okay. selling it. I... uh they sold somebody performance on their investment portfolio, and now they're taking losses. So they didn't talk about that side of it. Uh, the most recent one that I got talked to last week was somebody was like, do you know this, this lady on Instagram? She's everywhere. She's about 30 years old, and she's got a huge portfolio. And she tells people that all you have to do is buy small businesses like laundromats. And I was talking to somebody, and I said, well, here's what I'll tell you. I'm not the expert in this area, but I know enough to be dangerous. You don't just go buy a laundry mat and make money. In fact, I know somebody who buys laundry mats and I know who he makes money, and I promise you it's not just turnkey. You have to have employees, you have to know how to manage a business, you have to make sure the permitting is good. You got to make sure that it's going to be a good long-term business in the city. How old are the machines? Have you cleaned them? Have you thought about that? I'm like, I don't even know, but this is all the stuff that runs in my head, so it's not just buy it. A lot of people sell the back end of the dream, which is, hey, forget it. Here's the tip of the iceberg. This is what you're going to buy. And they don't tell all, all the other stuff that they have to do, which yep. is underneath the surface. Yep. And that is something you guys got to be so careful about uh, when you work in or talk to somebody too. And Matt and I have no problem validating ourselves and telling you what we do and why we do it. Um, but it's a lot of stuff is not sexy. It works on my neck of the woods. And a lot of stuff you do... It's not easy or cheap, but it no. works.
0: No. Well, you're, you're either the horse and somebody else is riding you around the track or you're the jockey and you're riding another horse and you're trusting in them to be able to execute and helping you win the race. So it's one of those things where you really have to do your due diligence on who the horse is yep. and who you're trusting to, let's just say, you know shepherd your money around the track and help you collect every time you pass go and do it to the best of your ability and their ability or you're betting on the fact that you're going to be the expert and you're going to be the one to actualize you know some of these financial goals and or you know um i think what you see on a pro forma right is like that that's just a projection yeah there's then the work of going out and executing on the plan that brings that to real life and and actualizes that's it for actually, you. Yeah. And so you really have to do that due diligence or it, it's a combination of the due diligence and the work yourself, right? Yep. Like nobody's going to care about your money as much as you do and that's why we love to have these kind of conversations. That's why we invite you to subscribe to the show every week, you know, come back and have these conversations with us because at the end of the day, the world is fast and it is changing rapidly all the time. And that obviously trickles into changing certain landscapes and arenas, which for us is one that we like to pay attention to the financial arena of you know the financial markets and the real estate arena, right? And understanding how everything that's going on in the world trickles back into impacting these you know arenas in some capacity that at the end of the day, based on your stake and where you're positioned at in those particular games right? You might have to change and adapt your rules a little bit and your strategies to keep winning and having the desired outcome that you want. And so that's why we like to have these types of conversations. You grow into the conversations you put yourself into, right, and the environments that you play in. And ultimately, you want to make sure that those are the right ones because if you're in the wrong ones, it can definitely be catastrophic and moving you in the wrong direction. And speaking of something that is having a domino effect and trickle, into yeah, the financial markets mm-hmm. is Ukraine and Russia. What's going on there and how are you guys, well, what are you seeing and I'm what are you concerned to. about or how are you guys kind of positioning yourselves based on the day-to-day changes that are happening there? As I said
1: uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think two weeks ago or a week or so ago, um, we were pretty confident that there was going to be some, some tension building to us, uh, essentially, ultimately a conflict With Russia and Ukraine. Um, As we're sitting here today, I don't know if anything has currently popped off, but I know that all the stuff that I'm hearing from the sources that I like to think have a good foot in the circle here saying that it's somewhat imminent. I mean, they have a buildup. They've they've built up forces all the way around the country. They're just kind of waiting for the right exact time to get everything done. I think the Olympics wraps up or wrapped up last week, or it wraps up this week. I can't remember. I haven't been watching the Olympics. Neither. Um, So, I don't know what's happening. I don't think anybody knows except Russia and Ukraine and the United States, and it's on a day-to-day basis. It's volatile, and it's shifting every moment. But what I will say is, if it's something that we would get involved in from a military standpoint, as far as we actually put troops on the ground, that generally reflects into a positive for our economy. The only time that that hasn't really come to fruition is in 2001, but the invasion of Afghanistan or the declaration of war in that area. And that was kind of because we were in the heart of the dot-com bust. Mm. So we kind of had a lot of other stuff going against us, but it buffered the losses off of the market because it gave give some areas into industrials and stuff like that. Um, If their conflict breaks out and we do not get involved, which I almost would assume is more the uh, likely outcome, um, even though we have troops in Poland, I believe, right now, um, it's not going to do much for our economy because the reason that the economy goes up is because a lot of our industries are tied into the defense department and they start getting orders for military equipment, personnel services that are above and beyond normal which drives money that's a capitalistic economy where the government can literally are buying from a private industry in order to support itself that's capitalism um i don't know again but it's not good but i will say coronavirus magically disappeared where to go? Nobody's talking about it. <laughs> Where'd it go? Um, and I think now the, the other thing that it's helping with is it's bringing in the inflation kind of thing as far as like, hey, this is a big issue, but clearly this is a bigger issue. If we can get past this Ukraine-Russia stuff and kind of let that water cool off, I think there's going to be a wonderful uh, rebound in the market because people are kind of... You know, we've had, this is such a big catalyst. It's so far overweighs the other two. And then the news that's not being really announced is all these other countries saying, Hey, we're, we're using COVID restrictions. COVID's numbers are going down. We were going to do a passport thing, but now we're kind of maybe considering not doing that because again, hospitalizations and numbers are going down. So I'm just waiting for it to get resolved. I don't know how it's going to get resolved, but Ultimately, I don't know how all these world powers are just going to allow a country like Russia to walk up to the border of another country, tell them they don't like what they're doing, and then let them invade them.
0: Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group, who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are going to fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first... 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon.
1: I don't see that being plausible, especially with the size of Ukraine. Ukraine is a substantially sized country. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't see that happening. So time will tell. It's gonna cause volatility and buying opportunities during that. Uh, ride ride through it. But as I was saying earlier, that's where when quality stocks are down, they're reporting positive earnings and positive numbers. There's your indicator or your sign of, hey, here's something that I can pick up. Am I going to make money tomorrow on it? Probably not. But in five years, will I make money? Yes. And quite a bit. That's what you do when you buy individual investments, unless you're a day trader. And if you're a day trader, you are on the wrong podcast. We do not do day
0: trading. We do not do day trading. We long... We long, and that is ultimately where the greatest wealth is created, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you're going to see little pops and hits, you know, here and there if you're playing short, but um, at the end of the day, it's the execution of a long-term plan and strategy that always, Always. you will 100% guaranteed come out better than where you're at today if you play the game and with a long mindset. Yep.
1: Because then you do not make the emotional pitfalls, which are normally happen in short-term areas. If you say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to have a good year this year, but the next four years are going to be really good. That means it's probably a good time for you to average your cost down when the cost of your asset is
0: low. So this is not financial advice, but I'm always curious on your perspective. You're not telling anybody to go out and buy anything, but where are you seeing uh, certain sectors and or stocks that are getting beat up right now, but like you said you know some of these companies are showing year over year earning growth mm-hmm. you know or a lot of positive things in their reports and yet you know the market's doing what it's doing so it's doing some correcting and you know bringing some stuff back down to earth mm-hmm. but there's there's definitely some some gems and needles out there in the haystacks of crap that actually do have a lot of the you know variables that we would look at and say that's going to do pretty well long term but it's it's getting beat up pretty bad right now. Where are you guys seeing, you know, certain stocks and or sectors that are undervalued right now that people may want to be paying attention to?
1: There's always going to be a certain area of technology because it drives kind of everything that we do. So there's companies I always love to trade Twilio. I love Twilio. That's a company that I would look at. Um they just are very much they help all of our apps and services do what they're going to do. They have great numbers. That's one of my favorite stocks. Um, you have t- uh, like semiconductor plays. You have um, energy and commodity uh, plays, which I would probably look at trying to get it exposure there via an ETF. So you don't have to pick one commodity. You can kind of just get a broad basket of commodities. Um, real estate, as far as the type that you can walk in and touch, that's not in my neck of the woods. But that's kind of stuff that does really well. Gold is something that we've we bought a good amount of, and that's been doing pretty decent for the past couple of weeks. So safe haven assets, old school safe haven assets, are the place that we're seeing money kind of trickle to right now. There's still a lot of cash on the sidelines, but for our clients, we don't like cash, especially in a high in, um, interest rate environment that we're going to go into. It just grades on your purchasing power. And it may not look like your account balance is going down, but you can buy less and less goods and services with that dollar compounded day on a day basis. So buying... Right now, what we're doing for our clients is we're buying quality areas of the market, energy, industrials, commodities, some technology. And we're holding those areas, getting dividends paid on them while letting our average uh, position costs go down and waiting for a rebound. Every one of our clients, though that's in like a drawdown model, as far as they've asked us to manage their accounts to a certain period of risk, all of them are within their risk tolerances. We have no breach of our risk tolerance uh, areas, and um, we're just kind of cruising right now. For those people like my retirees, I have closer to a fifty percent equity focus, whereas I am about a ninety-eight to hundred percent equity focus for my younger, more aggressive investors. And those are the ones that are getting kicked in the shins right now, um, and I'm right there with you. My account's down. Somewhere in the thirties, high twenties, low thirties. Matt, you're about the same, and we both said the same thing this morning. Wow, good thing we don't care because we don't need it right now. Yep. Um, so that's that's the smart way and safe way to play with your money in a market like this is just to understand what you're going through, not to make decisions
0: hastily based on emotions, and stick with your game plan. Talking about taking a hit in the market, one point six trillion dollar market cap of Bitcoin has been. Swiped down to seven hundred billion. I mean, almost well, more than than half half. of you know the Bitcoin market cap at thirty nine thousand as of February twenty first at eight nineteen a.m. As we record this, what are we seeing in the Bitcoin market space? (laughs) And I, I know you don't like seeing or hearing people lose money, but at the end of the day, you've been talking about this for quite some time. What are your thoughts on what we're seeing in the crypto market at the moment?
1: I think that it's, you know, as I've been saying multiple times, then again, for all those, I don't think they probably listen anymore. They're probably so upset. Um, a lot of people just stopped. Me- all the people that were messaging me about how I was, you know, potentially wrong on Bitcoin, of course, have disappeared again. Um, because I wasn't wrong. Uh, the Bitcoin market is not, clearly, it's not an inflationary hedge. Clearly, is not digital gold. Um, it's pretty obvious that that's what's happening. But when you're in a cult, you know, you don't look at facts and objectively go and look at things. You will ride or die on your principles because that's what people in a cult do. Uh, we have legislation that I don't it's probably not gonna go anywhere. Um, uh, that was introduced to like you said in California by uh Dennis Porter and somebody else. And just when you look at the way that somebody talks, it will tell you kind of how, you know, how far down the rabbit hole are they. He's just way far down the rabbit hole of Bitcoin. Hey, if you want your community, and this is the type of stuff that is red flags for me. When people talk about replacing a currency because a currency is going to make a utopian society run for the hills. It absolutely will not. It doesn't. Money will always be money, no matter if we get it from a bank. Or you get it off of a ledger. You're ultimately trading a unit for a service or a good. That's the and how that the name of it changing and the me- mechanics of it changing mm-hmm. is going to change how people think. Rich people are still going to want all of it, and so will poor people. And the rich people will have the wherewithal and the and the abilities to get all of it, and the poor people will not. And then we'll flip this all right back on its head and do it all over again. Yep. Because guys, stop chasing that white rabbit. It's rich are always going to get rich. Poor will stay poor. And it's not by design, but it's because that's how people act. Wealthier people make decisions and harder decisions and go into it and are not afraid of the losses or risks that they could incur in order for the reward. And people who are afraid to make those decisions tend to stay on the tail end of it and not the head end of it. And that's just the way it goes. No cryptocurrency will change that. Stop listening to some idiot sitting behind his computer telling you that this is the way that utopian society will happen. I mean, I just don't get how that's like a, like people will go off a Twitter handle and say, this person knows what they're talking about. And they say this, so this has got to be that. Crypto is not going to be anything, and I've said it before and I'll say it again until it is regulated and institutions adopt it heavily, Mm
0: -hmm. not speculative. Do you have any predictions on when you think it will see the regulation come into play? I thought it was going to be this year. I still think they're going
1: to make some announcements on it, but I don't think, I think with uh, stuff going on right now, they're just more important
0: things. Just falling down the priority ladder? Yeah,
1: it's just not a high priority right now. Inflation is the biggest priority, in my opinion, with the conflict of Russia being at the forefront. Um, So conflict with Russia and Ukraine, number one. Inflation, number two. And then after that is kind of your list of items. Um, I just think that until the Ukraine and Russia situation gets under uh, control and then we get inflation kind of figured out and the rate hikes happen that we've been talking about, there's really just, and then we have a government shutdown that's pending here in the next three to four weeks. There's just things that tend to keep being more and more and more important and kicking that ball farther and farther and farther down the road.
0: It'll get touched eventually. I just don't know when. Well, Kathy Wood came out this week and made a pretty bold prediction. No way. I know you love Kathy Wood, even though she's a, she's a good person. I don't think she has any ill intention. I think sometimes she's, well, she's another, she's just like an Ackman, right? She's an Ackman. She's an icon she's selling her bag to they, they i'm guessing they have some significant stake in ethereum uh yes and and they have bitcoin yep and- i know they've really pivoted and and gone rel- i don't want to say heavy but they've definitely taken a, a position in cryptocurrency
1: yes they have
0: and kathy wood came out this past week very bullish on cryptocurrency as a whole um said, you know, by twenty thirty Bitcoin could be worth a million dollars a coin, which just sounds silly when we haven't even really broken any critical thresholds beyond sixty grand sixty, what, eight? I don't know. Something like that, sixty-nine? Nothing above seventy. Ethereum, Kathy Wood says it will have a twenty trillion dollar market cap prediction by twenty thirty. That's so much money. And it will be worth a hundred and seventy to a hundred and eighty thousand dollars per Ethereum. All I know is if she's right, I got, your boy's going to be happy. Same here. I got, I got, I got some Ethereum. Nice, that's that's one of my favorites is Ethereum. Um, so really interesting to see, you know, I think this last week, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, they put a billion dollar stake into a bank out of Brazil that is heavy into cryptocurrency. So you're, there's still, people are throwing some money and they're, you know, taking some, I think, fringe and speculative bets. But like you said, I don't think anything there's there, it's just it's so clunky. It's not simple. It's not done at the click of a button. It's not fast, energy efficient. Like there's so many and just the fact that it's not regulated. It yeah. is still the dark side of the financial world. And even though, right, mainstream headlines show there are some, you know, people winning at it, you know, those spotlights in comparison to what's underneath, you know, and behind, um, you know, those headlines, it's a very small group of people that are benefiting at the expense of a large, large, large majority of people that don't understand and are just jumping in and trying to...
1: 99% of you,
0: I have not, just so you guys know, I have never made
1: money in cryptocurrency. I still, to this day... I'm down like 36%, and I've consistently bought for years. Well,
0: you you just hold, right? You're not doing any trading,
1: right? I just buy and hold. Yep. I do dollar cost averaging. It should work. I don't know. It hasn't yet. (laughs) No, it's worked on my other stuff. I've made a lot more money in regular assets than I have speculating in cryptocurrency. I've never made any money. Or realized? How about I say that? I've never realized any gains. I've had gains that are completely gone, but I've never realized any gains
0: ever. It's just not.
1: Yeah, it's a speculation area.
0: It, it just need it, it, the regulation piece. I think is going to be critical and important for it kind of getting bolted onto our financial system. I agree, and we're starting to see more regulation come into certain sectors of the traditional financial system the fed approves tighter rules on trading activity for senior officials this last week the fed banned employees from trading the following assets bitcoin cryptocurrencies, stocks and bonds and i was like yeah that's that's great step in the right direction and ryan's like who, who the fuck works at the fed like who's that gonna stop yeah. from you know who is that tilting the scales you know, in the favor of, you know, elected official, it, 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 this isn't Congress. This isn't your elected officials. This is just the fed guys. So it's a little tiny step in the right direction. Yeah. Right. It's
1: a, it's a, it's a penny at the bottom of the, uh, yeah. the fountain, <laughs> but it'll go somewhere. I think that ultimately when they, and they should, if they, when they, uh, ban, uh, senior politicians and officials from trading individual stocks, um, that should be something that's done. And that also should be their immediate family members. So children, uh, their children, and your spouses. They should not be able to do that because you get insider information. Oh, yeah. And it's just it's too profitable for you to do that. And clearly, we can see that you guys don't have a moral compass strong enough to keep you away from doing that. Yep. So that's what I... Ultimately, want to see is I want to see uh, members of Congress and the Senate and any high level um, politics, plus their spouses, plus their kids, plus their kids' kids. They should be banned from buying individual stocks. You can make plenty of money putting your money in a straight ETF. Um, Mr. Fauci, all mutual funds and ETFs in his portfolio, pretty much he's making great money. So just trust me. It doesn't. You don't have to own the individual stocks. You will always make more money. You always lose more money. But it's also there's there's you can you can cap and peg something a lot more accurately when you hold the individual stock versus holding an index that tracks the stock. So that's why I think they should be banned from doing that.
0: I agree. What do you guys think? 844-447-1555. Let us know your thoughts. Should members of Congress and their family be allowed to or banned from trading stocks? 844-447-1555. Real estate. Ain't nothing new there. Y'all know what's going on in the real estate market. I'm still doing good. It is ripping right now. National Association of Realtors just came out January 2022, brought $6.5 in home sales, a median sales price of $350,000 in 1.6 months of inventory. Just so you guys know, three months of inventory is... I don't even want to say. It's healthy, but it's still very... It's when, better than we had when we were like here last year. We were like three weeks. Well, well, there's certain markets. I mean, again, this is the this is the national snapshot right now. So, one point six months of standing inventory from a national perspective. You got to remember that there's going to be certain markets that have maybe two or three months of inventory, but most markets at least that people wanna be living in or are moving to or that are growing, they're well below a month of standing inventory. Like you said, you know, sometimes two, three weeks of standing inventory that if the demand, if no new homes came on the market and the demand stayed the same, you'd have two weeks and every single one of those homes would be absorbed into the market. And that's just something that we cannot see, at least in the you know current horizon, Home builders, unless there's some catastrophic change where people all of a sudden, let's just say worst case scenario, black swan event, a war mm-hmm. happens, and that drastically impacts energy prices and oil prices. Mm-hmm. And you know, people start getting laid off and the market starts to constrict again, then people are gonna go, Well, shit, you know, if my money and my job and the affordability, you know, is impacting my ability to do what I need to do. The only bargaining chip that I see a lot of people having in the current, you know, housing market landscape is the fact that we've got more equity in homes than we've ever seen historically ever in the United States. And so the only way I could see inventory ticking up is like one of those black swan events where people are on their last leg and they're like, shit, I got to cash in my last bargaining chip, which is My my equity in my home. And even then, right, that would determine what point in the market, you know, where are we at with interest rates based on what the Fed has done? You know, what are loan programs doing? And are we seeing equity start to shrink? Like, there's so many variables and dominoes that could get triggered. But at the end of the day, right now, I just don't... Housing is probably the safest investment right now to see your money grow and, you know, continue to appreciate and to pay off a dividend if you bought it right, right? And if you have the ability to kind of, you know, find the right investment opportunities in real estate right now, especially in single family or multifamily, you're going to do just fine. I mean, we're still seeing, like right now, you know, we're seeing a lot of companies that are trying to come into the, the landscape uh, to be able to create more inventory. Home builders can't keep up fast enough. They can't physically build fast enough material shortages or supply chain issues, labor issues, like if you're a contractor right now, I mean, you hold all the cards, like there's not enough skilled laborers and contractors out there right now. So we're seeing this major crunch, you know, in not only materials to build houses, but then people to actually executing on delivering that product in a timely manner. And with population growth, if you look at our population growth versus our ability to keep up with delivering product to the market to be absorbed there's such a big delta there that it's going to take a long time to catch up so you're seeing companies like icon icon is a 3d home printer based out of austin texas um they raised you know 207 million last summer they just raised another 185 million and they were basically able to you know print uh 3d print a home in 48 hours or it was a little less than 48 hours. So, like, I think this micro living trend, this ability to, you know, deliver housing product and maybe a non traditional, you know, landscape, mm-hmm. like we've seen home builders stick, build, you know, hammer, nails, and all that kind of, we're going to start to see technology catch up with the ability to deliver some of these home products. It's still a ways away. So, you know, if you're investing, in real estate, you know, this year, next year and beyond, I still think that, you know, like you said, it's going to be solid. And, you know, again, guys, we're playing the long-term game here. You know, if you're 20, you got a lot of time. If you're 30, you got a lot of time. If you're 40, you got a lot of time. If you're 50, you got to start thinking about some intelligent ways to, you know, accelerate your wealth building plan. So that way you can, you know, financially, enjoy the fruits of your labor and the, you know, the years that you're looking to enjoy. But again, if you're 50 or 60, you still got a good chunk of time. If you were to buy one or two properties or make one or two smart investments in real estate or in the stock market every single year, you know, five, 10 years of doing that, you're going to be looking pretty damn good if you can just consistently execute on the strategies that we're talking about, right? So I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of see what the 3D home builders and printers do and how they bring product to the landscape um, and really how that gets adopted and or absorbed into the market. Um, That's still to be determined because I think it's still a little bit of a different um, way of living, you know, in a 350 square foot, you know, box, box, but... Who knows? The younger generations and upcoming generations might prefer that and like that and want more flexibility and you know utility instead of having a 3,000-square-foot home. Who knows? Like I, I don't know. But what we do know is supply is still insanely low. Demand is still insanely high. Even with the rate hikes, I do not see that curbing demand to the level where we're going to see any kind of corrections in the market um i still think you know tbd is going to be what happens here in ukraine okay. and uh, and russia and obviously that's really trickling into the stock market it's talking into real estate it's talking you know tying into our economy as a whole and those are just things that you got to pay attention to and that we're going to keep talking about so with that being said what do you guys think is going to happen in the real estate market for 2022 shoot us your predictions 844-447-1555 if you guys haven't taking advantage of the free financial x-ray. You can Come text on. that word x-ray to 844-447-1555. If you are an accredited investor and you want to get on my syndication deals list, text the word deals to that same phone number. And of course, we love and appreciate you guys. If you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Mm-hmm. Please leave a five-star review on whatever platform you enjoy listening to this great content on. Mm. And with that being said, we'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really in most cases, overcharged, and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free, so be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high-net-worth individuals, Be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing and to have a whole whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you wanna know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week, Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.